0: Welcome to the podcast for Windsor Road Baptist Church. Prepare your heart to receive God's message. We're continuing our series in the book of Luke and today we're looking at one of Jesus' most famous stories, certainly one of the most powerful stories that, that Jesus tells. He's, he's not here this morning, uh, Matt's away, but when Matt, when Matt comes to church, he usually sits right down the front here in the front row. Uh, Matt grew up in the church uh, and uh, he was only about nine years old when he, he went to his pastor and said, I want to be baptised. And he's pastor, oh, yeah, tell, tell me about your faith. And, and Matt's testimony was so powerful that even at the age of nine, his pastor says, you're a believer and you're ready to be, to be baptised. And, uh, and Matt certainly lived up to that. Matt, Matt is has a, a, from the Bible, he has great knowledge of the Bible and he's got a very, very strong moral code that developed from the Bible, and he sticks to it. And he's, he's a man of God, a man of, a man of honesty, a man of integrity, a man of justice, uh, a man you can, you can trust. Uh, and Matt's gone on to do a lot, a lot of ministry. He, he uh, particularly leads beach missions, and uh, uh, he's an elder in the church here, and uh, he's very committed. If there's a working bee, he's there. If there's a prayer meeting, he's there. If there's any sort of uh, ministry that needs doing, Matt steps up and, and does that, that role. It covers all aspects of his life. So he, he's, he's very uh, uh, sincere in his, his prayer life and he follows the spiritual disciplines and particularly the, the practice of fasting. And so he, he will often fast during the week to, to sharpen his prayer and, and to bring commitment. And he, he's very sincere about his use of money as well. Uh, he tithes exactly 10% of his income, his gross income, not his income, his, his taxable income. Uh, before the tax comes out every week, comes straight into the account by direct debit. Matt, he's a he's a man of God. He's a he's a solid guy. He's in very sharp contrast to his friend Levi. Uh, Levi started coming to church every now and then recently, uh, but when Levi comes to church, he certainly doesn't sit down the front. He sits. If he does sit, he sits right in the back. Often he just stands in the foyer down there. Uh, Levi and, and Matt grew up together, but their lives have taken very different journeys. Uh, when Matt was a, a young guy, he uh, was abused, and uh, over time he, he sort of got messed up by that, uh, and he got these ideas and he acted on them, and, uh, well, he, he got imprisoned. He got uh, convicted of being a pedophile and uh, went to prison. Everybody in the church sort of knew about it, uh, it was very, very awkward. Uh, disappeared for a few years. But as I said, a couple of weeks ago, Matt sta- uh, Levi started coming back to church. And in the hustle and bustle of the morning service, you know, Matt was down the front here. Levi was at the back. And their, their eyes, they caught each other's eyes. But then Matt looked away and, and shook his head and started praying. And Levi wept. And uh, fortunately for everybody, to avoid the awkwardness of it, he left before the end of the service. Uh, and we, we haven't seen him recently. Of course, that's not a not a true story. We don't have a Matt and a Levi in our, in our church. But it's sort of based on the story that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 18. And uh, we read there uh, in Luke chapter 18, verse 9. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told This parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, And give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The the temple was the the centre of religious life in Jerusalem, and there were uh, supposed to be two prayer meetings, 9am and 3pm. People were meant to to go to the temple to pray, but the custom had become in this age, in the first century, that you went three times a day if you were really holy, 9am, midday, and 3pm. And in the hustle and bustle of this setting, where these two people catch the eyes across the temple a Pharisee and a tax collector. And uh, Jesus unpacks it. So, But even though there's two people, Pharisee and the tax collector, there are a number of other people involved in the scenario. But we'll start with the Pharisees. So the Pharisees were a, a highly respected group of religious leaders in the first century Jewish context. They were first and foremost, strongly focused on the Word of God. They they were dedicated to the reading and the implementation of what we call the Old Testament. And they memorised vast portions of Scripture. And then they lived very strictly according to those principles, those moral principles they derived from it. And this Pharisee was particularly worthy of note. Uh, Normally, you were only required to fast once a year on the Day of Atonement. This guy fasted twice every week and you were normally expected to pay the tithe, the 10% on a portion of your income. This guy tithes the whole amount every week. And so as he was well-known in the community, as he stood there to pray, uh, people would have admired this man. They, They wouldn't have been thinking he was a bad guy. He was a guy who had moral principles based on the Scriptures and he lived them out. But in very sharp contrast to the Pharisee was the second character in this drama that Jesus unfolds and that is the tax collector. The, the Romans, who were the rulers of Palestine at that time, rather than doing the dirty day-to-day business of collecting their own tax, franchised it out. So you could go to the Romans and come to an agreed amount that, they, that you would pay to the Roman authorities, then you became the tax collector and you could then go to the people and collect as much tax as you liked as much as you could get away with, under the authority of the Roman soldiers. And so it was a real scam. they usually a tax collector, and, and presumably this tax collector here was a criminal basically in the eyes of people. He was ripping them off day to day through his overzealous collection of taxation. But not only were you considered a criminal, you were considered a national traitor. You were working with the enemy. You were, are working with the oppressors. And so the tax collectors were not only hated the way that we hate people who are employed by the Australian tax office. Anybody here? Yeah, okay, right. <laughs> we don't really understand. <laughs> but they were hated because they weren't were treasonous. And because of that, they were right on the edge of society. They were not the sort of people you mixed with. They were not the sort of people you counted as your friends. If one walked on one side of the street, you walked on the other side of the street. And perhaps you see why the, 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 the pedophile image is perhaps the closest we can come to in our society. That sort of hatred, that sort of marginalisation of, of a person was the, the picture of the tax collector that Jesus uses. And then there's the audience. the the people who are in the temple, the people who are hearing Jesus speak. And in a way, they're not surprised at all by what's going on. Uh, The Pharisee coming in publicly praying was not at all surprising. And they probably knew that often Pharisees were taught to pray a prayer which was, thank you, God, that I was not born a Gentile, a pig or a woman. That was their prayer. And so this prayer of him coming in here and going, oh, thank you, God, that I'm not like them, was quite acceptable and quite expected by Jesus' audience. The attitude and the, the, the approach of the tax collector, if he was going to come to temple, was not surprising either. He, he comes in and he, he beats his chest and his eyes are cast to the ground and he, he appears weeping and emotional before God. And that is just the way he should be, that dirty, rotten tax collector that scum of the earth, that traitor, that's just the way that he should behave. And so up till this point in the story, everybody is doing what they are expected to do. And everybody's attitude to everybody in the drama is what you would normally expect the attitude to be. But then God, Jesus, speaks on behalf of God. And what his assessment of the situation is vastly different to what everybody else was expecting. Verse 14, Jesus turns the story on his head when he says, I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, the Pharisee, went home justified before God. That would have brought a gasp from the audience. This was not at all what was expected. This was not at all was their understanding of the universe and the way that justification would work. Jesus is effectively pointing out that the Pharisee got exactly what he asked for, which was nothing. He walked into the temple. He despised those around him. He glanced at God. And then contemplated himself. He didn't ask God for anything, and he didn't get anything from God. In contrast, the tax collector asked an enormous amount of God. He had the temerity to come before God and say, Please forgive me for the dreadful things I've done, the dreadful things I'm I'm doing and he receives an enormous amount in return he receives the forgiveness of his sins the tax collector goes home justified the word justified was a legal term and it's the same word paul uses in his epistles when he talks about our salvation and what god gives to us through his grace and mercy The Pharisee goes home with nothing. Perhaps he goes home with the sense that he has found the approval of men. But really, that's nothing either. The Pharisee prayed as one who needed no forgiveness and got none. The tax collector prayed as one who needed forgiveness and received it. And in many ways, this story sums up the gospel, perhaps more powerfully than any of the other stories that Jesus tells. That those who come before God with self-justification, those who come before God with self-righteousness, those who come before God and say, aren't I good, therefore you should treat me well, get nothing from God. He closes his ears and eyes to them. But those who come before God with brokenness, those who come before God with an acknowledgement of their sinfulness and their shortcomings receive from God the forgiveness of their sins. That's the gospel. That's what we celebrate. And that is good news. The gospel means literally good news. And for those like the tax collector and for those like Levi, the gospel is extraordinarily good news. That if you come before God and ask him humbly for the forgiveness of your sins, God will forgive you. But it's not so good news for most of us who are gathered here today. Why do I say that? Well, most of us who are gathered here today are more like the Pharisees than the tax collectors. Most of us who are gathered here today are more like Matt than Levi and that's a dangerous place to be because remember what Jesus says for all of those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves those who humble themselves will be exalted and so we would be wise to maintain an attitude an ongoing constant attitude of spiritual humility before God Realising that we are only righteous before God because of his merciful grace towards us and because of our humble repentance towards him. We need to have that attitude of spiritual humility that says no matter how many good works we do, no matter how many times we fast, no no matter how much money we give to God, No matter how many good deeds we do, no matter how much love we show to other people, even the love we show to other people does not justify us before God. Only his grace and mercy and our humble forgiveness, our request for forgiveness, justifies us before God. And so we need to maintain an attitude. We need to keep working on an attitude of spiritual humility before God and also an attitude of humility towards other people. It's a a sad trait of the human state that we always think that God is more concerned about the sins that other people commit than the sins that we commit. We just do that, don't we? Oh, God, look, what a terrible sin. Oh, how could they possibly do it? God, I'm so glad that I don't do that and that you're not concerned about the sins that I commit. Our temptation is often to to look at other people and to condemn them for what they do wrong while overlooking what we do wrong. And so I'm going to encourage us, just as we, we finish our time this morning, to take the posture of the tax collector. It's important that we do good works and and it's important that as as in response to the grace we've received that we we pray and we give money to people and we we serve generously and we do all of those good things. But we must remember they never justify us before God. What justifies us before God is when we take the posture of the tax collector, when we humbly come before God and say, I'm a sinner, always have been, and until I die I will be, oh Lord Have mercy on me, a sinner. That way, we're going to take something home with us. If we can't get to that point, we go home with nothing. Now, I'll leave it to you as to how you want to respond to that. If you want to stand, you can feel free to stand. If I ask you all to close your eyes, so that this is something between just us and God and our hearts with God, so if everybody can close their eyes. I'll leave it to you as to how, how you respond whether you want to stand, whether you want to stay seated, or perhaps even if you do want to kneel, as a reflection of of that posture before God of of humility. Uh, And we're not going to say it together because it's not actually... I think this is one time where we we do turn away from any public display of of holiness. Uh, Let's just make this something that's going on between our heart and our spirit and our Father in heaven who sees our heart. And calls for a response this morning. So let's just take a few moments of silence, and, and perhaps Mark and, and the band can come up while we, while we pray. But let's just take a few moments, and in your heart, if if so moved this morning, pray, the tax collectors pray. O oh Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. O oh Lord, have mercy.